Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein-Kay and Jamie Klein-Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as light workers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's the Matter, we will shine light on a hot and relevant topic that means something to us, and we are sure will mean something to all of you. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Good morning, Dreamcatchers family. How are we doing this morning? I am Jamie Stozer. For those of you that don't know me, it's June. It's June. Crazy enough. We're very busy over here doing lots and lots of things. But this morning we are taking time to spend time with our, well, Marissa's friend from growing up, actually, we went to the same high school Um, and we're going to have her introduce herself in a second, but we're so excited to be here today to talk through a, a quote, what's your matter? What's the matter episode about the matter of vaccines? So obviously that's extremely, extremely poignant and timely for many of us right now. Um, I myself am fully vaccinated and I went into a store yesterday for the first time without my mask. And I was in the store, by the way, before we have Jennifer introduce herself, because this is funny. I went with my husband to Trader Joe's and for 20 full minutes, by the way, I had my mask on and he did not. And I A, did not notice that mine was on and B, did not notice that his was not. And all of a sudden in the frozen aisle, he's like, why are you wearing a mask? I'm like, oh my God can I take it off? I like did. And then I felt funny taking it off and I felt like dramatic about it. And I'm like, I'm going to take it off. And it felt awesome. So this is a very poignant topic for both myself and Marissa and obviously being moms and having young children. Um, Marissa just went through this with her 12 year old. We just had so, so many questions and ideas and thoughts about your journey, Jennifer, how you got to where you are in this space. Um, So welcome to you, Marissa. I don't know if you want to add some stuff to that and then we'll have Jennifer um, introduce herself. I, I I just want to say good morning to everybody. I, I, I want to say, first of all, I'm, I'm humbly um, thankful and, and grateful for Jennifer responding to my, my subtle Facebook DMs, um, both on a personal level and then also on an emotional level, because I, I did reach out to her in my tizzy last week. And I think as moms, we have had so many tizzies this year (laughs) that like sometimes you're just in a tizzy and you don't even notice that you've come out of it and she helped me very quickly um with just some certain words and i said to myself how how incredible would it be to be able to share with my personal professional audience uh her voice and in addition to that jennifer what you don't know is in all of my side hustles I spend a lot of time talking about career um, with elementary school kids. It's just something that I've always done. And I specifically focus on the third grade in our town. And my third grader and Jamie's third grader are graduating from our little elementary school because our school goes K through three and then four through eight. And I'm part of their big moment. Um, unfortunately, their big moment looks different 
this year, obviously, but it's still going on. And I, I, I zoomed in and talk about how your innermost desires or your innermost wishes at nine years old tend to be things that you see in your professional interests as you grow up, which is something that Jamie and I talk about all the time. And what I also talk about all the time is you never know who you know in your life and that the people you know in different stages of your life may come back to you professionally or personally. So I, of course, said that I just last month interviewed somebody on this podcast that I went to college with. And in this moment, I'm interviewing somebody that I rubbed shoulders and elbows before shoulders and elbows were cool in probably, I don't know, all, all, of, all of our AP classes. I think I sat next to you in probably, I don't know, several classes throughout uh, high school because my memory of, of you was always sitting next to you and studying with you, which of course you probably were much more proficient in a lot of the classes uh, as we can tell by all of the names and titles underneath your, <laughs> your resume. All the, all um, the acronyms. But I, I did look in the yearbook a few minutes ago, all, all the acronyms that I don't have. Um, I did look in the yearbook. I could have sworn you were in yearbook club with me and it was just like this thing I had, but you were not. Um, but I was editor-in-chief, so of course I knew where to look. And ironically, you were not in the science club. I just want you to know, you were not in the science club, so you've already... You've already Late bloomer. my way <laughs> bloomer and we'll get there. We'll figure that out. Yeah. Uh, however, however, your senior quote, which I have open, and also you were in what we remember. called at the time soap, save yeah. our planet yeah. Earth, are two things that I would say would tie into some of your interest in, in global health. So anyway. I stalked her and she's here and I'm privileged and honored. And all of us from growing up that are still in touch have been reading and watching and celebrating you and listening to your voice. So it's a, a, a really a double edge or a double entendre of support and love to you, Jennifer, because not only does it feel valid to relate to somebody that's a peer that is speaking and you can admire and hear their sound voice, but when you know them, from when they sat at a desk next to you, it feels that much more safe. So thank you for sharing your light with the world and doing the hard work that you're doing and spending time with us this morning. Jennifer Nuzo, introduce yourself. Tell everyone that's listening your tremendous story. Where do you work? What do you do? And then we'll go back to the beginning. Well, gosh, <clears throat> thank you so much for having me and taking me back on that trip. I cringe a little bit. I have no idea what my yearbook quote is, but I'm sure it was <laughs> melodramatic as, as those years tended to be. Um, but I've, very I've, I've got happy to connect. Um, you know, this this year, the pandemic year has been really tough for so many people. Um, not many points of light, but for me personally, one point of light has been the opportunity to connect and reconnect um, with people that I wouldn't have otherwise had an opportunity to do that with. So um, this is particularly fun. It's nice to, to, to um, be reminded of those days. Um, so I'm Jennifer Nuzzo. I uh, am an associate professor at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. I'm an epidemiologist. Um, I've actually been working on this field of pandemic preparedness for about 20 years. Um, and it's one of those things I used to not, um, you know, 
when I would meet people, uh, they would, and I would tell them that I'm an epidemiologist. Um, it used to be that no one knew what that was. Mostly they would think it's something to do with like the skin. <laughs> this was the most <laughs> common thing I would get, but, um, uh, unfortunately, um, fortunately, um, I don't have to really explain that much anymore to people. So, um, it's, uh, it's not great to have the thing that you've studied and, and thought about for a long time, um, become as relevant as it has become, um, because the, the topic itself is, is something that I hope to see one day become irrelevant. But anyway, we've been working on COVID um, pretty much since uh, end of December when we first heard about the, the outbreak that was occurring in China. And that's been a, a really long and tiring uh, year and a half at this point, um, uh, you know, just dealing with all of the issues that have come up. Um, I'm also a mom too, and I've got two young kids, um, I'm, um, eight years old and four years old. So um, navigating those parental concerns um, in, a, in a really unusual year for our children as well. Wow, well, you know, I think first and foremost, thank you again for being here. I, you know, Marissa has been, I'll, I'm gonna speak on her behalf, which I tend to do sometimes and she does for me. We've been personally and professionally geeking out about the fact that you are a name that we keep seeing like in articles I'm reading. And it's like, wait, this girl went to OT. Like she's like from our hometown. Like this is um, for those that don't understand, like, you know, listen, everyone has hometown pride. It's, you know, where you're from is obviously so much of who you are. But being that Marissa and I literally have built a business and a career out of talking to people about where they're from emotional already here we are um <laughs> that we built a career in a business now for the last several years about talking to people about who they are where they started who you know what they wanted to be when they grew up and actually then seeing some of those people that we fun have you know fundamental ties to do things that are just so inspirational to us is really just why we do what we do i mean literally it makes us completely geek out on and turns our own lights on about seeing others journeys and how you've gotten to where you are and how incredible your voice has been this year for people um, and for us as we've followed along. Um, and, and our favorite question to start, because obviously, you know, I'm guessing you didn't necessarily dream of being a, you know, being prepared for pandemics, you know, when you were in eighth, you know, eighth grade, sixth grade. Jamie, can you can you say what she is? Can you can you say the a word penis, that you is monologist? Uh, I actually know how to do it, but I'm just I'm just doing it for fun. <laughs> I cannot. Um, I I, cannot. I think I think you're right. Though. Nor can right. I. Spell you're it. right, though, in that we now live in a time where we know those words and we say things that were are now in our vernacular that we never knew existed and or understood. And you've made a career out of it. Like Jennifer is like the. Jennifer, you're like the the Kardashian <laughs> of science in this right? moment. Like, like the pop culture, like all of us are talking about things that you know. I mean, an, an associate professor at Johns Hopkins, and we're just chatting up with the same words. But granted, I can't pronounce the words, but I can speak them with you slowly. <laughs> um, so, by, by the way, my husband works for Bloomberg, so kudos to, to Bloomberg for all he does. That's right. Um, and you know thankful, what? I'm certainly thankful to him this year. Correct. You know, so I'd love to hear from you our favorite yeah. first question, which is how we usually begin. 
what did you, what is your earliest memory of what you wanted to be when you grew up back in those days in Bergen County? What is it that you can remember that first thing that you, if somebody asked you what you wanted to be, what you would have said? Because what we love to hear is what that was and our favorite, you know, workshop or activity is to then take that answer and somehow correlate it like Marissa was already trying to do with some of the clubs you were involved in. Um, but those were high school days. So I'd love to hear from you about your earliest memory, what you wanted to do when you hmm. grew up. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember, like when I was in elementary school, what did I pretend to be? I think it was either a teacher or a lawyer, mm-hmm. which is funny because um, I, I very much don't want to be a lawyer. But um, anyway, a teacher, a lawyer. And I, I guess maybe in a weird way, I'm sort of a hybrid of both in the sense that I do policy work and I'm also a professor. Um, but yeah, I remember pretending to be a teacher. I mean, I think a lot of kids do that because that's like the grownups in their lives are often teachers. Um, but those are the two things I remember sort of pretending to be. Um, definitely like a working woman. I my I grew up in a in a single mom household. Um, so my mom was always working. Um, so I saw her like putting on her work clothes and going. And you know, I mean, like I, I that was always uh, you know my my path was going to be you know a career because um, that's just what I what I saw and knew. Um, and so she always had these like you know fancy office clothes. And so I remember you know <laughs> dressing in, up in those and um, playing either teacher or lawyer. You know, it's funny, so much of what we want to be when we grow up is either what we see, right, Mm -hmm. when we're around. That's why as working moms, we can probably all agree that it's so important that our children see what we do and how we do it. And um, whether it's volunteer work or working or anything and how we, you know, work ethic, some of that stuff literally happens from those early days, watching your parent or your grown up or your insert adult here what they're doing, right? So a lot of those jobs that we, A, wanted to be when we grew up were A, what we saw and B, just what existed at the time that we knew about. Um, But it's interesting to hear that you were interested in teaching or law from a young age, only because obviously you are doing at least the the former in some capacity, in a lot of capacities. And usually, Marissa and I's theory usually is that when somebody wants to be a teacher from a young age, they do that. If there's very few jobs yes. that mm, you, you know, you're a kindergartner, you're a second grader. When you say you want to teach, there's something innate in you. Um, mm, wants to teach. Yes. Versus, you know, medicine doctor. So often our, our, you know, our guests will say that and they're like, and then I saw blood and I decided no. Um, but then they are the kind of person that likely goes into a, a field where they help others. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you say you want to be a doctor. There's an innate, need and want to help others. When you say you want to be a teacher, it usually means you a like to engage with others. You're a good communicator. Like you like to, you know, lead a group. I mean, there are certain innate skills that make you say that from a very young age that typically then transcend into older years. So, okay. So that's your first memory. What did Mm -hmm. you end up then, you know, starting to study? And as you grew up, you know, how did you decide to then go into this kind of field of public health? Yeah, well, it's really interesting because you sort of be the things you see. And then, you know, as you progress in your career, you see other things and, you know, your career meanders, or at least I think many careers meander. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was very interested in environmental issues in, in high school. 
and uh, actually pursued environmental science as my undergraduate uh, degree. So I, I studied science and, um, you know, because I thought that that was the best way to make sort of the argument about um, environmental issues was to understand the science. Um, and um, I, I did a kind of summer program when I was in, in undergrad, which was a research program um, where I was going to spend part, part of the summer studying science, doing scientific research, environmental research, and then part of the program learning about policy and how you can use science to influence policy. Mm -hmm. And I picked a research project that was really like romantic sounding to me. It was going to be like out in the desert, like studying these desert organisms. And it sounded really great. And it actually got canceled. And the mm. next thing I know, the kind of backup thing that they offered me was something I had zero interest in, which was I spent the summer working in a virology laboratory. And I was so not interested in that because in, in my view, virology was like squarely in the field of, of human health and not so much in the field of, of environmental health. It's not quite, a, that's not an accurate um, uh, 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 view of it. But at the time I was really disappointed about that. And I was not interested in humans in the slightest. <laughs> like if we made the human health argument, it was only I mean, who you know, for the betterment, right. But for the betterment of the planet. Um, and that changed me. That program absolutely changed me. Um, and as you can see, the things that I'm working on, uh, a lot of stuff to do with, with viruses. And um, I had a really great mentor, um, Kevin Oshima, I have to call him out, who at the end of the summer was like, what are you going to do with your life? And I was just like, I don't know. Um, he's like, I think you should go to graduate school. And I was like, I don't know about that. That sounds like a lot of work. And I don't think I'm the material to get into graduate school. And he was like, uh, think again. <laughs> So at his encouragement, I applied to a bunch of places and I fortunately had another mentor in, in college who, um, when I went to go talk to him and I said, you know, I might actually be interested in, in human health because I think the more I think about it, if you are going to make an environmental argument about why you should change the environment, people don't really care about the environment for the environment's sake. They care about what it means for them. And he said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and he was the one, this other mentor, um, you know, told me to, to apply to schools of public health. I really hadn't known about public health. Um, so I went and did my master's and um, in environmental health. And while I was there, I got really interested in this field epidemiology and particularly infectious disease epidemiology. But still at that point, I was very much interested in the intersection of, of the environment and human health. So I really made a, a research project while I was doing my master's on um, waterborne diseases and um, people getting sick drinking contaminated water. Um, when I was finishing up my master's, I got, um, I saw, I was looking for jobs and I saw a job posting in New York City um, to be an epidemiologist who was in part um, concerned with uh, making sure people weren't getting sick drinking New York City's drinking water. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is perfect. This is, this is a job for me. So um, I interviewed for the job in um, June I mean, 2001. It, that's, a, that's almost like the longstanding joke of that New York water is delicious. Everyone knows that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it is. Um, but they had to have a job like mine because, um, because they didn't have a, a filtration plant to, to pull certain, um, certain pathogens out of the water. But you know, they, 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 they were able to not do that because they protected the water supply so, so, um, so strongly. 
Um, but anyway, it meant that there was a job for me there. And so I, I interviewed um, New York City in, I got the job offer in June of 2001 um, when I was finishing up my master's program. And uh, when I talked to them about my job, um, you know, duties, one of the things they described is all the surveillance systems we use to make sure people weren't getting sick drinking the water. And one of them they described to me as potentially being useful in case there ever were a, a deliberate attack on the water supply, that it could be used to, to spot bioterrorism or, or any kind of biological attack. And I remember in June of 2001 or, you know, March, whatever my interview was thinking like, that sounds crazy. <laughs> That's like science fiction. Mm -hmm. um, and then a few months later, everything changed and my job, you know, got reclassified as an emergency hire. And the idea of looking at our data, wondering if someone was deliberately attacking the water supply after September 11th was not fantasy anymore. Um, so I, after that, you know, instance, I mean, really the world changed and my career changed with it. Um, the things that I was working on and the things I was interested in very much changed. And so I was working as a practitioner in New York city, trying to answer the question, you know, is there another attack today? Um, you know, with not just me, obviously there are thousands of people that work for the city, um, uh, you know, doing that. Um, ironically also with mayor Bloomberg at the, at the helm, uh, you know, um, so it was, it was a very, um, you know, uh, it, it shaped me. It, it shaped my professional interests. It shapes my career. I eventually became a bit um, frustrated that the tools that were available to practitioners weren't better. Um, and so I got more interested in policy and wanting to work on policy. And so I joined a research center at Johns Hopkins um, that at the time was known as the Johns Hopkins Center for Civilian Biodefense Strategies, very much oriented around if there were a biological attack. Um, what what would the civilian side of things do? What would the doctors and nurses and public health people do? Um, so I took that job and um, it's the center that I currently work for. I went and did my, my doctorate um, during that time and um, we changed the name of our center a few times and, and moved around a bit, but um, we're, we're at Hopkins and it's now called the Center for Health Security. Um, and my, you know, job is focused not just on the, the, the deliberate threats, but also the naturally emerging threats. And anyway, so that's the winding path to where we are today. You know what I love? So many things about what you said, but you said a couple of things. You know, I just had a conversation. I so I went to Michigan undergrad and I do a lot of work with them still. And, and they just launched a new program called LSA Connect, which is a, the school I went to at Michigan um, where students have the opportunity to reach out to alumni in different and new ways and connect and talk to them through this portal. And then they have access to me directly. And so I had a conversation with this undergrad yesterday. He's a freshman. First of all, I was like, go back to bed. Like, it's okay. You're only a freshman. But second of all, he started talking to me about like, how do you, you know, and so many of our listeners are either career shifters, career pivoters starting out. And I, he was asking me, you know, how do you, even know like what you want to do like where does that begin and so much as what we were saying earlier you know it begins when you're little you start to really identify your superpowers your innate abilities your skills your desires the things you're good at what you bring and then you start to go to school and right and you start to and or you get job entry-level jobs that start to teach you and a couple of things that you said that i love that i think is so important is that you had mentors at a very young age 
you found you sought out people who were either working in the field, were leaders in the field, they were professors in the field that you started to kind of attach yourself to, which is hard to do when you're young, right? You're describing this entire story in 2001, not to date us all, but unfortunately people can look up your your dates on your LinkedIn if they look you up. You know, you're 23 years old at this point, whatever you are, right? And you're 22 years old knowing the innate ability to find yourself mentors and take classes and learn. And that, you know, I, I just commend you for that. It's not easy, especially then we didn't have LinkedIn. We didn't have ways to connect naturally um, and digitally to people. Um, so can you speak to a little bit of that? Just a little, I love to like how you align yourself with, with mentors and like how you then took that to find what you wanted to do, because what you do is so unique. I mean, this is not like, you know, yes, it's, it's much more known now. Um, but you had an innate desire from a young age to, you know, an interest in the environment and science, and then to then figure out the niches that you found is such a cool story to me because mm-hmm. you know, Marissa and I are more traditional in that, you know, she went to school for business and then worked in fashion. And I went to school for communications and worked in PR. And that's what I was going to say. What, interestingly enough, we grew up drinking the same water, right? right. We grew up <laughs> right. drinking the same water. She and I took almost, I, I think, a lot of classes together. Um, and I was a K and she was an N, which would make sense why I remember in my mind <laughs> her sitting next to me all the time. And, you know, you think about two, two people raised in the same spot, you know, in the same things and, and, and experiencing, I mean, I was in the city and I live in as well. I, 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 I can't imagine the, 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 not only your track of career, but the emotion at such a young age to be able to focus on that job with knowledge and the ability to not take that home, right? So not Mm -hmm. only are you interested in something that you didn't expect to be interested in and working in something that was not necessarily what you set out to do, but it also comes with a whole other, literally like television level of day to day that, you know, most of us couldn't imagine. And I do think it is extremely admirable because I'm going to guess most other than the kids that were in your classes in college and your grad school, because by the way, she's also very humble. If you look her up on LinkedIn, she, she's gone to some really tremendous schools. Um, but you know, other than your classmates, I'm assuming most of your friends probably couldn't even grasp your day to day. So mm-hmm. your, your leadership and your steps had to be guided by your colleagues and people you looked up to. Uh, you certainly weren't going to find it from a roommate. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think, I think it's interesting to hear that perspective as, as a lot of the folks we interview and people in our orbit and web tend to fall into more, you know, traditional, creative, traditional New York mm-hmm. city docs. Creative fields, um, Marissa yeah. and I built fashion and media. Um, so I just find your journey so fascinating because it is, you know, unique. Yeah. Although shout out to Alicia, um, maiden name Reinhardt, who, who is the reason why I was reconnected to you, by the way, she's been on one of our panels before she's been doing what she's been doing since we were kids, literally when, and, and, and is now, I don't know, a lot of titles 
in social work in Beth Israel Medical Center, and obviously has also had the tenacity that you've had to accustom herself to, uh, accustom yourself to, because she has worked through crisis in New York, whether it was 9-11 or, you know, um, or this last year and a half and a few other things in between that God knows we've all experienced in the 20 plus years that we've been grownups. Um, so, you know, I just think other than her, I actually can't name, I can't name anyone that had that, that ability. So, mm. you know, tell us a little bit about that. Were you networking amongst colleagues? Because I'm assuming there's a lot of people. And the reason why I mentioned this, most people lean on their friends. Yeah. When they're yeah. trying to figure out um, their water cooler conversations for career. Um, I'm assuming that that was not a good outlet for you. Just yeah, how did you, how did, yeah. So I guess the question is, how did you, where did you kind of look to, and then mm -hmm. talk a little bit about the mentorship, because I think that's something yeah. we preach a lot and, and aligning yourself with the right kinds of leaders in your field to really learn from. And then of course, then go work for eventually. Every day that we leave with light as the dream catchers, is made possible by our parent company, Partners in Crime, Choice Fashion and Media, Division of Choice Associates, where we've been putting people to work since 1974. So if you're looking for work or you're looking for people to work for you, check mm -hmm. us out, www.choicepersonnelinc.com. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's probably a mix of things. I mean, one, I think one thing I've discovered is about myself um, is that we all have sort of like our motivations, like the thing that like that propels us forward um, in our careers. And for some people, it's money, right? Like they they choose jobs because they're well paid, and you know that's that's their motivation. Um, it's it it's not mine. It hasn't been mine. I mean. Of course, we all like money. <laughs> we like not to have financial worries, but I'm I, I don't get out of the bed, you know, each day for money. Um, for me, it's it's um, learning. Like, am I learning? Have I done this before? Is it interesting to me? Like, does it kind of excite me intellectually? Um, that's really, I think, what my north star is, um, and and my ability to stay in jobs is really, I think, contingent on feeling like I'm doing something new and learning. Um, so uh, pursuing new opportunities, I think is just maybe woven into my personality a little bit, but some of it has also been need. And um, so, you know, I really credit that summer program that I, I took in college with putting me on this path because I don't think I would have ever thought to go to graduate school even. Um, you know, I brought up, brought up by a single mom who, who was the first in her family to go to college, but you know, nobody really went to graduate school. My, my brother did, he went to be a lawyer. So it's funny how the childhood yeah. fantasies play out. Um, yeah. But you know, the graduate school wasn't that common around. Like I, I didn't, I wasn't surrounded by a lot of people who had career paths that I could just fall into. Um, but I did this summer program and part of why I did the summer program was because, you know, summer was coming up and I needed a job and I just knew that I didn't want to go back to, you know, the high school job that I had, which paid the bills, but wasn't very interesting. So mm -hmm. I started looking up other what opportunities, hmm? my high school what job, was it? Mm -hmm. CVS, <laughs> I worked ah, at CVS. CVS. 
CVS Northdale or CVS Closter? Norwood. Norwood, that's Norwood. Norwood. Was there yeah. one in Northdale? I don't think it was. Yeah, Norwood. No, it's Norwood. It's Norwood. Yeah. It's across the street from Costco. I'm still it's like Norwood. a very strong fan of CVS's. Like I, I always prefer to go to CVS's. CVS. So I clearly had a positive experience, but it was time for me to do something else. Um, and uh, <laughs> anyway, so I looked for these things and I was like, wow, this sounds like a really cool thing. I could move to New Mexico for the summer and they'll pay me and I get to do this thing that I've never done before. So, you know, partially that like need plus, you know, personal interests. Um, yeah, and I think I think what you're saying is so important. Right. So, you know, to anyone listening that's in a career pivot or change or new grad, you know, really identifying the things that make you tick. You know, this is what Marissa and I say all the time, the things that you personally love to do. Right. Um, one of my favorite quotes right now is if you can't find the dream job, find the dream in the job, right? So working at CVS was obviously not Jen's dream job, um, but she loved it and she still goes to CVS, right? And then, so she found However, some sort it of does dream. Correlate. Yeah. It does correlate though. It does. It is. It's, <laughs> it's how, a it persona a long yeah, time ago. <laughs> what's funny is that being, you know, for those just tuning in, Jennifer grew up in our area and she worked at CVS. And I think what's so funny is, um, this is an inside joke that I just will share because it's so good just to, to, to for, for levity. Um, growing up, I was, which is not, doesn't come as a shock to anyone that knows me personally, where I was a huge perfectionist when it came to my school supplies. Everything had to be perfect. There couldn't be like a weird corner that was bent on the notebook and you had to get certain colors. And so where Jen worked at CVS was not a main road. It was a fairly main road where we lived. And across the street directly was a place called Cost Cutters, which was a local, like, That's school supply, <laughs> Walmart, Kmart feeling place. I used to go for school supplies with my dad. It was like one of our weird traditions. He, he'll love the story and then I'm sharing it. The right Trapper now. Keepers came from. The Trapper <laughs> Keeper, the five star, totally. So I would go to Cost Cutters. I would check out their inventory. Then I would make him walk across the main drag to CVS, check out their inventory. Then we'd walk back to like, make sure we were getting the best five stars, the best trapper keeper. So I was definitely in your store because those were like my seventh and eighth grade years. And you were working there at the time, Jennifer. So you, I've definitely purchased a five-star notebook from you. Just um, Anyway, I digress. So that being said, what I wanted to really spend the bulk of the next few minutes talking about is the, is the matter at hand. So when we launched... Our what's the matter um, arc of our podcast. We really started it during the pandemic to, yeah. and, and Merce and I love a double entendre. So what's the matter meaning what's going on, but also what's the, the topic, which in this case, the matter is, is vaccinations, which obviously is so, so everywhere. Are you vaccinated? It's like the new, I don't know. It's the same way that it was, you know, every, I feel like human nature is to, you know, have these cycles of, the only thing you ever talk about. And obviously right now it's being mandated or dictated to us in that the thing we're all talking about is vaccinations. Just like, are you vaccinated or you're not vaccinated? You're going to get your kid vaccinated. What? So I'd love to hear, you know, your stance, whatever you typically would say, like in an article, when you're quoted, I'd love to hear just a little bit from you, Jennifer, of your thoughts on all of this and kind of yeah. where you stand as a professional in the space because I'd love to just get that out there to our listener um, mm -hmm. and then we can talk a little bit more about how that affects that matter and that topic yeah. affected your career right now. I mean, that is literally probably your bulk of your everything right now. So I'd love to hear first your whole kind of elevator. I mean, this is, this is, this has been 
this is mile marker 26 and you didn't know you were running a marathon. Right. Right. So, you know, I think, and, and also when you answer, I also want to ask a hard question. I mean, granted, I know you live in the DC area now. Um, I'm sure you have a lot of like-minded friends, but for, for your vantage point, how do you handle not only the answer to, you know, vaccines and your, your status quo comment, but also how do you handle in your personal life or your friends and, and whatnot, the noise from the other side? Because I mm-hmm. think that that is the hardest thing right now for all of us is the conflicting messaging and then where to put ourselves mindfully between yeah. how, how do you drown out the noise and make sound decisions for yourself yeah. and your family? So, sorry, that's a loaded gun, but go for it. Yeah, so, I mean, this has been a tough stretch of time for everybody, everybody. Um, it's It's been a really hard year. It's been hard for people who have had sickness. It's been hard for people who have lost loved ones. It's been hard for people whose lives have been upended by all of the things that we've had to do to try to control the spread of the virus. Um, if you asked me in March 2020, would I imagine having not one, but three vaccines for available for use that are highly effective and safe, I'd be like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> like, good luck. It's not usually what happens. Vaccines, um, um, you know, don't uh, get developed that quickly. Um, but we have them now. We, we, it's nothing short of a miracle. And I'm going to qualify that in a second. Um, but um, we are so fortunate and honestly having these vaccines changes everything. Like we are on, you know, the exit ramp right now and that's being paved by the vaccines. Um, Now I have to qualify that because I think one of the deep concerns that so many people have has been the speed with which vaccines were developed. And many people interpret that as meaning that corners were cut or safety was compromised or we just don't know enough. And I always have to push back on that um, for a few reasons. One is that um, probably what a lot of people don't realize is that people have been working on coronavirus vaccines since about 2003, 2004, when um, there was another uh, coronavirus epidemic uh, that happened um, called SARS. That was the first SARS. This, this virus we that causes COVID-19 is called SARS-CoV-2. The first SARS was um, occurred in 2003 to 2004. So people have been working on coronavirus vaccines for a long time. Um, so there's, we, we have availed ourselves of that scientific knowledge that's been amassed since then. Um, the other thing is that the technology that um, the vaccines use has also been something that's been worked on for a long time. So Pfizer and Moderna vaccines use something called an mRNA technology, and that is something that has been worked on for a long time. I'm really excited about these vaccines. I think they have the potential to be game changers in how we treat not only other infectious diseases, but potentially other conditions, even even potentially including cancer. Um, Really exciting breakthrough, I think. Um, and then the Johnson & Johnson vaccine um, uses another technology that has been used in, with, um, with other vaccines. So um, we had the benefit of prior knowledge, and this is why you do science, because you never know when it's going to be useful. And we have been doing it for a long time, not knowing if and when it was going to be useful. Um, the other thing is that um, 
one of the reasons why it usually takes a long time to develop vaccines is when you do clinical trials to test whether they're safe and effective, they're done in phases. And with each phase, you recruit a number of people and you give some of them the vaccine and you give some of them the placebo. So you don't get a vaccine, you get, you know, saline. Um, and usually it takes a really long time to recruit people. And it takes an even longer time to wait around until everybody had enough time to possibly get infected. Unfortunately, with this pandemic, we didn't have to wait so long. There were lots of people who signed up to get to be in the trials, lots of people who signed up because there's deep interest in getting vaccinated. And unfortunately, lots of people who got infected. So that made it unfortunately possible to study the safety and efficacy of these vaccines much more quickly than we would be able to do for other diseases that don't happen as much. Mm -hmm. um, so I have to say that to people because I don't think people really appreciate the fact that the speed was an unfortunate circumstance of the, being in this pandemic, but no corners were cut, no safety was compromised. Um, I have, and at this point now, I mean, we have up, you know, upwards of a billion people vaccinated on the planet. We, you know, that's a whole lot of people to collect data on and to, to be able to study, to make sure um, there aren't adverse um, events. And we're finding a very extraordinarily small number of adverse events, which is absolutely to be expected. Actually, I'm really amazed that we don't see more um, given the numbers of people who have been vaccinated. So we are so fortunate with these vaccines. And so what I'm doing now is really, um, you know, everybody looks for a way to help. The, my, my skill, my talent is just knowing things at this point, I, because I've, I've spent so much time looking into it, studying it. I have the luxury of, you know, having 40 plus hours a week to think about these issues. And I just try to share what I know with others to help people navigate life in, in these really difficult circumstances. I have no personal stake in the vaccines. I don't make money off of them. I have no financial interests. And I have to specify that because I think a lot of people wonder that about the people talking about vaccines. I don't. And in terms of, um, you know, the noise and the, um, you know, it's true, my colleagues are quite like-minded. Um, you know, you work in public health, it, um, you know, we, we all believe in vaccines. It's, 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 it's hard to find somebody who doesn't believe in vaccines who works in public health. Um, that said, where I personally live is actually a fairly diverse area. Um, and um, people are all, all spectrum of political beliefs, um, et cetera. So I just try to engage as much as, much as possible. And I try to view people who have questions, like I, I welcome questions. I welcome hesitancy because I think it is a very natural, normal thing to not just accept the first thing you're told and to want to know more. And I view it as an opportunity to engage with people and to talk to them. And I hope that I can show them through what I know, why these vaccines are such a good um, prospect. Um, and, and hopefully people will, will choose it. I, 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 I prefer for people to come to the belief themselves that these are great tools that they want to avail themselves of rather than trying to force people into doing things that they don't support or, or think is in their best interest. I love that. And honestly, so much of what you just said again is like so eye-opening. I think so like it's so um, refreshing to hear you explain it that way. You know, you're not getting any kickback from the vaccines. You just have a passion and interest in, and quite frankly, knowledge and years of experience 
with this. And also the, the other layer that so many people forget that this is not the first coronavirus and that SARS is the same, it, it stems from the same place and that people have been researching and, and working on this for, you know, close to 20 years. This isn't, you know, a new thing to so many. Um, and, and it is interesting that that layer, that piece of information gets, you know, missed. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts about, you know, the, the folks out there, what, whatever you can say freely yeah. or, or speak to um, those who are, you know, being very noisy about the vaccine or, you know, maybe have an opinion about children getting the vaccine or, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm not going to ask the question in the phrasing that's like, don't you think our kids should get it? But I just want, you know, Marissa just went through this. She has a 12 year old daughter. Marissa, you want to talk about that a little bit? You had a lot of, you know, she had some reservations. She was sure. scared. And Marissa, you want to talk about that a little bit? Cause that was a big thing for you. You know what? I, I, so I just, I'm sorry. I, I keep, I'm moving around because I'm having trouble with my internet and I don't want to be cut out. I feel like I found maybe a safe space in this second. Um, I, I think, listen, I'm not a science person. I'm, I'm a believer in the bigger picture. I, 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 I don't pretend to, to be raised in science, but I trust science and people that do their jobs well implicitly. I trust medicine. I trust the process. I trust intelligent, dedicated people that are doing what they know how to do. I believe in career. So my belief system is naturally toward if my doc, and, and this is my truth, you know, I'm speaking truth. If my doctor tells me it's recommended, I believe it. Mm -hmm. I just think that in the last year and change, there has been a, a tornado of naysay disrespect and tremendous words that slip into a very clear psyche that, you know, for a moment, I was like, I don't need to get my 12 year old like vaccinated this second, do I? And then I'm like, she's going to go God willing to sleep away camp. I have lived so conservatively this entire year I, I have not, I, there has not been a child in this house without a mask on. I mean, I am like the epitome mm -hmm. of strict. And she turned to me and said, how did you not make me an appointment right when they announced it? And all of a sudden I went, I realized that these kids have gone through what we've gone through. Mm -hmm. These kids, other than you being a science, like a, you know, a, a, a professor in this world, Jennifer, Right. I mean, these children have been tasked to lead adult, feel adult feelings, things that we did not know how to feel either. I'm just older than her. And I looked at her, I'm like, I gotta be honest with you, I don't know. I just was gonna do it at your physical. I was like, gonna wait a minute. Like, I didn't wanna do it like this second. And sure enough, I did it last week. Um, I definitely feel a, a vibe from local friends and neighbors that do not necessarily agree with me. And honestly, to that point, if they're listening today, why? <laughs> Dear everyone, why? Um, but I believe in wanting her to feel free, safe, and for me to rest easy because the psychosis that has gone on, that's unmeasurable. It's not data proven. The psychosis that we have all experienced in the last 
15, 18 months when we're not scientists and we don't know all this stuff, I don't want her to feel any of the feelings that she shouldn't have to. So there I went. And by the way, locally, they did an incredible job. They talked her through the entire thing so much. So the, the, the nurse that we had, his name was Manny. And I still remember it. I was like, okay, you know what, Manny, you can just wrap this up and just stick it in because I'm about to pass out. Um, but <laughs> needless to say, Jennifer was one of my last DMs when I was crowdsourcing. And I normally don't crowdsource when I'm making choices for my children. Mm-hmm. I make choices from my own intuition, usually, and guidance from doctors. I, I make choices from solid places. I do not talk to people that are not, the people that, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but the people that are noisy are not necessarily coming from a medical landscape. So unless you have the experience, the criteria or the resume to guide me, I'm not seeking out your information. Yeah, so so I, think- I went straight to Jennifer's DMs and that's it. Oh, and she said something so profoundly beautiful. So profoundly beautiful. She said, Marissa, I have absolutely no issue children being vaccinated, period. I just wish that there were enough vaccines in the world for people that really truly need to be taken care of, to be taken care of. And I was laying there in that moment and it was definitely in my bed. And I said to myself, wow. I mean, talk about a point of view for a second because we have been, although we are so macro, most of us are macro, we have been forced to also be extremely micro. Like you can't help but just focus on your immediate needs and all of the bleeding out that we've all experienced this year in our own family. That while I was in that pivotal moment and she gave me what I needed, she also gave me the gift of remembering my place in the world. How fortunate I am to have the choice. How fortunate we are to be able to discuss things. How fortunate we are to be able to challenge one another. There are many, many places that do not change. And I woke up and I said, okay, you know what? You're right. I'm going to make this appointment. And then I'm going to help in whatever way I know how to help, which is, as my helping, is raising voices of others. So for you in this chapter of where you're at in your life, for you to be enjoying using your voice in a healing way, because that's what you're doing by normalizing or communicating with people that wouldn't normally speak to speak. I commend you for that clarity and for that safety and safety, not necessarily the definition of safety, a safe place to say to somebody, okay, so this is what I've done for the last 20 years. Okay. Everything's fine. Do your thing. And remember you're lucky. And I literally was like, cool, made my appointment. And it was just what I needed. It was just mm-hmm. what I needed. So I can't thank you enough. And I wanted to put that on full blast because the truth is, is we all need to remember our place in this world. There's a lot of other things going on that have nothing to do with, you know, suburban, urban living with two cars, a school and, you know, summer camp. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm saying that about my own self. So I, I think that that's important for us to all know. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, so Fox John. I, I think to, to go back just a second to, to kind of direct it back to you, Jennifer, as a question, I think, um, you know, hearing you talk about how that you don't get a kickback, obviously, and you just have spent all this time researching it. Um, 
and, and really what I was saying earlier as a question is how do you respond to those that are resistant? What are your, you know, talking points? If you were to like give us advice even, right? So we're not you and I don't have 20 years of experience, mm-hmm. but find myself in conversations that might be off-putting or you're not quite sure why some people aren't getting the vaccine and you're with them in a social setting and you're like, what are you waiting for? Right, like, um, and do I wear my mask? And I mean, there's so much. It's just, how do you function? So I'd love to hear your, if you were to give like the layman three pointers, it doesn't have to be three. What are, what are your major things that you would say at this stage? I mean, I think the key is empathy mm-hmm. and just understanding where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, first of all, I don't judge anybody for not wanting to get vaccinated or not wanting to vaccinate their kids. I don't judge people. You know, I, I, I hope that I can show them um, just based on what I know, why it's a, it's a, it's a good deal for them. Um, but I, I don't judge them for not wanting to do that. And I think if you start from that place of judgment, like, first of all, the conversation's over. Um, I don't necessarily set out to change people's minds or assume that I can. I just want to hear what their concerns are and see if I can offer information to perhaps address those concerns. I think many people feel guilty at some level for even having questions and not necessarily being automatically accepting of what professionals are telling them. And I truthfully think that's healthy. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that it's important to to do your research, not to quote a QAnon um, phrase. I think it is important to do research. I just want people to do their research in the right places using the right sources of information. So I'm offering myself up as a source of information. The problem is, and this is where I also am able to channel some empathy, is that it's really hard for most people to research this in part because they are under siege with disinformation. Yes. You know, um, I have worked with some, um, a group lately called um, the Center for um, Combating Digital Hate, and um, they're doing a lot of research on anti-vax information and how it's spread online. And it's, it's really extraordinary how pervasive it is and how much there is a whole industry of people. I mean, the irony, I have to say that I don't get any financial kickbacks from from these vaccines. The reality is people who are spreading anti-vaccine information are in fact getting kickbacks from do, being able to that. do that. I saw that you post, you, I believe you posted it on your LinkedIn. I was reading that article. It's wild to me, fascinating. And it's so incredibly pervasive that this is not just limited to the fringes of society anymore. You know, the people who are hanging out in like internet chat rooms that no one's ever heard of. I mean, it's everywhere and people are busy. They don't have time to like check the source of the headline that they saw to see if it is in fact true and lies spread on the internet faster than truth. So I don't blame people for thinking all sorts of things because they have just been under siege. They have been like assaulted with all of the wrong information. And it's incredibly hard to find the right information and to sort through it because it's really dense. These vaccines I think are amazing, but it takes a while to learn about them and what they do and how they work. And, you know, I mean, one of the, the questions that I very frequently get about particularly the MR, actually all the vaccines is that I don't think people realize that when you get an injection in your muscle, it's taken up by your muscle cells. It's not like circulating around your body. <laughs> it's taken up by your muscle cells and your immune system recognizes that weird thing that's going on in your muscle cells and learns from that 
And then your immune system will circulate to look for the virus. But I think people think that vaccines, just because, I mean, why wouldn't you think this? It's, it's you know, it took me a while of thinking about it to, to make that connection. Oh, it's not going to affect my reproductive system most likely because it's it's limited to my that small amount that's in that shot just stays in my muscle cells. Um, anyway, it's just really, really hard even for for professionals to really, you know, sort through. And, you know, it takes a considerable amount of time. And I'm fortunate to work with some people who are really smart about vaccines and I can ask them a million questions and then just relay to other people what I've learned um, from those conversations. Where do you advise, you know, what kind of advice do you have to our audience? Like, what is a good place, a good resource um, yeah. for people to just go get that top line knowledge if they are curious? Um, because I do think you're 100% right. I mean, Marissa and I both have a lot of, you know, personal opinions just about news and where you're getting your news. And yeah. um, just the, I mean, even we obviously saw this during the election. We don't need to talk about that today. Um, where like my in-laws have an opinion about something that they only are learning on the news outlet that they're watching that is completely untrue. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't blame them because that is what they're consuming. So their thought process is dictated yeah. by what they're receiving and the ads they get on Facebook. I mean, it's really wild if you really think about it. And that's a whole other conversation. Um, but if you were to implore our audience to mm-hmm. do their research or, or, or look in a certain place or get knowledge somewhere, where would you say to go? Well, first of all, seek official sources. I know that like the, the reputations of official sources have been under attack over the last year, but trust me, you can still get good technical information from the CDC, from the World Health Organization, from the professional medical societies. Um, so if it's for your kids, I go to the American Academy of Pediatrics. Um, you know, for adults, you there's lots of great information at CDC and World Health Organization. Um, we also at Johns Hopkins, I'm part of the Coronavirus uh, Resource Center, the CRC. So it's coronavirus.jhu.edu. Um, and we have a, 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 a link there on all sorts of vaccines. You know, the world's vaccines experts have like helped curate that information there. Um, we do weekly webinars on, on um, Fridays. I think we're going to do it every other week in the summer just to give ourselves a little bit of a break. But we've been doing weekly webinars where we, you know, answer questions that are submitted. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really where you need to go. I, I often ask people, and to your earlier question about like what rec, what like advice do you have for talking to people, I have to say, first of all, a lot of the conversation is probably less about facts and more about just hearing people's worries because people have accumulated a lot of worries over over the last year. And so part of being, I think, empathetic is trying to hear what those worries are and then seeing if perhaps offering information is helpful to address those worries. In some cases, people just need to put it out there. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's where we have to, we have to, you know, acknowledge those worries allow people to, f- to know that we are hearing them and that they're being heard and we're not judging them for that. And then I think, you know, you can say, can I, can I give you any information to help you feel better? Do you have any questions that I could potentially answer um, rather than just kind of tearing into people with facts and labeling them as anti-vax or vax hesitant or whatever, like none of that helps. Um, I think it is absolutely understandable that these are new vaccines as excited as I am, even about the M- RNA vaccines in particular that are being used, because I think they're a medical breakthrough. We, this is the first time we're using them in a vaccine. So there's a lot of newness here. And I don't expect people off 
you know, right out the gate to be as, you know, excited about it as I am because they haven't spent as much time thinking about it. So we have to get people, you know, I think we can win hearts and minds on it, but it's going to take work. And, and, and it's, and we can only do that from a place of, of empathy and, and not judging people. It's and at the end of the day, answer. like, I think the fear goes two ways because people who are vaccinated, um, you've chosen to do that for yourself and, you know, for your kids. And then you see somebody who didn't. And I think at some level, we think they are making me unsafe by choosing not to do this. And that fear comes back out at those people and to people, you know, who have chosen to get vaccinated, first of all, thank you, but also you're safe now. You're safe now. Yes, you'll hear that no vaccine is 100%. That is true. But these vaccines are really great at preventing severe illness. And that's the thing we care most about because if this virus weren't capable of causing severe illness, if it just caused the cold, like all coronavirus, you know, many of the other coronaviruses do, you would have never heard of it. We wouldn't have changed our lives for it. So, you know, um, if you wanna feel safe, you get vaccinated. I still am really, really worried about the people who are not vaccinated in part because any additional loss of life, I mean, all loss of life is a tragedy, but loss of life that occurs when we have tools on hand to prevent it is just, it's just, uh, it just guts me. So I wanna mm. reach those people and prevent that from happening because it doesn't have to be, you know, people should be able to have their parents and their grandparents and, you know, their, their loved ones. And these vaccines allow that to happen and they take off worries. I don't want anybody to have to carry any more worries around after this year. And that's what these vaccines allow us to do. They just, they just remove worries. They remove worries, which is like the, if, if there's a miracle that needs to happen in general, it's that right. Um, and also just your, your voice. I mean, I, I mean, I'm biased, but I think her voice in general and leading with light and empathy Viewers, I mean, you echoed so many of the feelings that I had. I did feel guilt. I did, you know, I do sometimes feel, you know, is your is your choice the the other side's choice making me feel unsafe? And 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 it is very interesting that even with education and and queuing in and finding out facts, that the 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 stuff has just permeated so many of us. No different than our children being passed mm -hmm. with being grown ups or having grown up feelings at a very young age. So I think what you're doing is extremely commendable. And I, I need to say two things. One thing this morning, I don't know if in the, while you're saving the world from you happen to hop on a Peloton, but um, <laughs> if you do, um, do. <laughs> there, there was a, there was a quote this morning that my friend Tunde said, um, and she said, don't let other people's opinion of you hold you hostage. Yeah. And it's funny because I don't feel like I have ever really cared about what other people think of me. But I think there's all of us right now, we all are a little bit vulnerable with that level of confidence. Now she meant it, she meant it for a workout. But I was thinking of it. I was thinking. Yeah, but she tends to. Tunde tends to be talking about a larger picture because the truth it. is. Yeah. Well, we're not no, used no, to I, people I, I anymore. I mean, that's part of the challenge. It was larger. It was larger. 
we're, we're not used to pe- I mean, that's it the is, other thing we've spent a, a year kind of locked away and, you know, we're going, we're relearning, <laughs> we're activating old muscles that we sort of forgot about and sort of going out and in public and interacting with people. And the worst thing about these pathogens, these viruses, you know, and pandemic threats above all is that they make us fear our neighbors. So that changes how we relate to each yeah. other, you know, and we've, I, I think that's why it's really important for us to, to go back. And I'm so thankful that we have the vaccines to allow us to do that, you know, and, and to protect ourselves. So, so, so Jennifer, uh, how do you feel about like bouncy houses though? <laughs> <laughs> Are, Are they cool? outdoors? <laughs> yeah. Outdoors. So yeah, you know what? I, I think, I think, um, you know, obviously we could talk about this for hours, like your personal opinions, professional opinions on our kids and all the things, but that's, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, that's not why we were here today. I think, you know, we obviously get a, an overarching sense of your emotion and feeling about all this. Um, I would and love to hope. ask you. I can yeah, feel your, your hope. Hope. Can I just say one more thing about yeah. the vaccines before we move on? Because I, I do want to yes. I, do, I don't want to leave parents who have kids who are too young to be vaccinated in a panic. And um, I believe very strongly in the vaccines. But the great news about vaccines is that just vaccinating adults is bringing down all of the cases in all age groups. And that protects your kids if they're too young to be vaccinated. Yes, so I, my, actually, my kids are both too young. And I yeah. know that a lot of parents who have kids in those age ranges are freaking out. And I just wanna say, listen, first of all, the good news is that your kids are at reduced risk from this virus in terms of having any kind of severe outcomes that's for, that's the, the lucky thing about the one lucky thing about this virus is that it hasn't been worse for kids. Um, but also as adults continue to get vaccinated, it's going to protect everybody. Um, so, read, so promote the vaccines in adults, but I just don't want to leave the, the if you have no, listeners I, who are I like, actually, well, my kids are too young. And she said the vaccines are saving everybody. Yes. I, they're changing I the game, but they're changing it for all of us. Whether yeah. I, appreciate, I appreciate you saying that because I think um, that actually was going to be my next question before okay. we wrap. We have a couple questions we like to ask to wrap up, but one of them was going to be about before that was going to be about that. I, I actually read an awesome article, not to be New Jersey focused, but Marissa and I are both New Jersey based on newjersey.com this morning about the fact that our state reported our lowest number of new COVID cases since the beginning. So like this year, this week in the general has been a very positive week in New Jersey. And the article, for those of you that wanna see it, it's on newjersey.com, but um, there it's the whole article is about all of the numbers and all the facts, which I thought was really helpful, like very specific percentages and facts and how many people have been vaccinated versus at the beginning and all of this stuff. Um, but one of the, the portions of the article was how the adults being vaccinated is is directly affecting the kids cases. And so I do find, though, that a lot of the, um, quote, anti-vax um, parents of kids that are, feel that way are kind of anti or, or believe the kids can't get it or can't spread it. Um, and the fact that now the adults being vaccinated is showing that the kids numbers are no longer as high. Do you have any thoughts on that or anything to say to that, that there are people out there, there's a lot of noise right now about unmasking our children and, and our children yeah. not being the culprit. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, I mean, so it is a different calculation with kids, particularly um, kids who are uh, younger. So we know that the kind of risk of, se- the, the risk of severe outcomes in kids is 
much lower than adults, but the risk ticks up a bit in the older, like the, the teens, which is why, you know, that was the first priority for vaccinating 16 plus and now 12 to 15. Um, so, but for, for younger kids, it, it is a different uh, calculation in terms of, um, you know, what you do to protect them and how much that's going to impede their lives. Um, so, you know, my, my husband and I are vaccinated. We are now happy to go out and do things with our young unvaccinated kids. Um, if we think that it's beneficial to them, um, we are relaxing a bit our, our lifestyle, even though our, our kids are not vaccinated. Um, they still wear masks uh, when we're in public spaces, but we did go to an indoor restaurant for the first time. Um, I pick ones that aren't that crowded, you know, like you, you go through that calculation, but we are easing up a bit because I am a, less worried about my kids getting it. Um, that said, I think the, 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 the argument to vaccinate kids is about lessening the worries and about just taking off the table the, the even small possibility that something bad could happen to them. I'm less worried about vaccinating kids to like achieve herd immunity or to drop the spread because we've seen great data from Israel, only vaccinating adults, their cases are like next to nothing these days and on the only vaccinated adults. So I don't think, you know, the data good suggests that Israel, that makes yep. us happy. We like to hear the good news out of Israel instead of all the bad news about Israel. I love so, that. So, but you know, I, if, um, I am worried about global vaccine supplies and the fact that nine countries have used more than three quarters of the world's vaccines. And, you know, if we still use them in kids, that makes it less available for adults. That said, if the vaccine, that, that's not on individual parents, you, you don't have to shoulder those global burdens. If the vaccine is available and offered, I would have my kids vaccinated if, if they could. Um, if they also said, can you wait six months so that we can vaccinate healthcare workers in other parts of the world who are dying? I would say, sure, you know, anyway, but you don't get that choice. So um, when the, you know, if the vaccine is offered, I have, I have no hesitation about giving it um, uh, to kids. Um, that said, I'm at this point, I'm most, I'm most evangelistic about getting adults vaccinated because that protects kids and it protects the adults. And I'm, and, and um, this is why we're, you know, not going to hear about COVID in, you know, a few months when um, we're not seeing any hospitalizations or, or deaths. I think we'll, we'll start moving on to other worries, fortunately, in this country. Of course, the rest of the world is a different story. Um, but <laughs> my, the, the thing that I'm most passionate about is, is, allowing adults to see the light on, on vaccines. Um, and if somebody feels a little bit more hesitant on their kids, you know, I, I don't think there's reason to be hesitant, but I'm not gonna fault people if they're just like, you know, we're gonna wait and see. That said, I do think it's been really hard on kids for the last year. And while I don't think it should be necessary that they get vaccinated in order to participate in activities like school and camps and whatever, if that's what it's gonna take, I think it's important that we get our kids back into their lives. I agree. I agree too. And I, I, you know, it's funny because I mean, listen, not for nothing, we've had a very knock wood, healthy year. The masks, I mean, no strep came to this house, you know, I, I, and I've said several times, like I want, you know, I try to find the dark humor in things. Like I'm looking forward to COVID being like a lice letter. Like it's not that amazing, you know, but like we don't the shut letter. Yeah, we I, don't shut down. I haven't gotten, we've I all gotten the lice letter. I think I would burn the house down if the lice letter came home. The, the listen, <laughs> I can handle COVID. It's not amazing. It, it will come for you. I know, um, I know. There's no one, no one escapes life. 
I know, I know, um, I know. So, you know, I'm, I'm knocking Lydia. It's not a great day. But, but it doesn't mean that I can't go to New York more than four times an entire year, right? Yeah. So I think, um, I feel like that that's where, you know, I feel like sometimes the enormity of what we just all went through is hard to process because we're all still processing it. Um, that, you know, sure, you know, you want your kids to be able to play sports. You want them to be able to go places and listen. There have been a bunch of colds that are going around. I will say that there's something to be said that when I see a sniffle happening, I'm not going to full gasket because I trust in the moment right now mm -hmm. that I don't believe it's COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and where, you know, the whole year, I thought everything was COVID. I think we all did. Um, yeah. and, and uh, it's nice to, yeah. What did you say? I think you said release the worries, release the worry. Release I think the that, worries. You know, and I think, um, in the interest of time, I, you know, listen, we could talk about this all day. It's literally, we were so excited to have you today for this reason. I mean, we personally are super passionate about it and I love talking through it. And I think it's so fascinating that this is how you've, you know, what your career is. I mean, this is what you make your living slash. This is what you do all day. I, mm -hmm. I love that. Um, as exhausting as I'm sure it is. So I'd love to hear two things from you. My last question is um, it's kind of twofold or threefold. One of our largest um, or our favorite question, I should say, or, or, you know, a big passion of ours, we're actually creating a workshop around it as we speak for um, a colleague of ours and we're hopefully going to be offering it through the Dreamcatchers web, which is our networking community that you'll hear more about after the fact. We we like to talk about your superpowers. So obviously we we hear this all the time in, you know, career speak, but we are big believers in when you have an innate skill or an ability that other people don't have or maybe makes you stand out. It's really important to identify that at a young age, right? You're like, who are you? Like, what is it that you can do that other people can't do? Um, we all, you know, would love to fly. We can't fly, but what is it that we can do? And, you know, and I think identifying those things at a young age and, and early in your career can really dictate where you end up going in your career. So would you say that you, and then the second piece to that question is your mantra, you know, and, and so much of who we are is who we are as a superpower. And then also kind of, if we can live all tap into that superpower every day is there something we say to ourselves every day is there something we say to others every day that kind of gets us through the day so the two questions are what is your superpower and then what is your mantra Ooh, okay let's <laughs> think about it um um i think for me um i am a very curious person and i'm um very self-directed in my learning. So I, I, I start wondering things and then I go and start looking it up and researching it. And I think in, in, in doing that, it has allowed me to like put threads together from different places. So I haven't really yeah. stayed, I mean, this is kind of bad advice for an academic because usually you build a career in a very narrow space. Um, I haven't, and I haven't been very good at that, but I also think that it has allowed me to, to see broader issues. Um, so I think just curiosity um, is is and and allowing my curiosity to, to guide me um, has 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 served me well. Um, in terms of like a mantra, um, you know, I've been talking actually my, with my eight year old son about this lately about the importance of doing hard things and doing things in part because they're hard and like exercising that muscle. And so there have been things that have come up like in my career in my life where like 
I feel panicky about it. <laughs> and I sort of learned that that feeling is like a good sign that it's definitely something that I should do. And like, because I start panicking about it and I'm tempted to like back out of it or not do it or, or say like, you know, come up with an excuse for it, but just like lean into that. And those have all usually been the most interesting, important, um, you know, um, gratifying or, you know, rewarding experiences that I've had. So using that, that butter, those butterflies and, and not, not running away from hard, um, as a way to just kind of push through. And, um, you know, I, I feel like with each, with each of those time, like opportunities that, you know, or whatever that that's experience has come up and I've chosen to do it anyway. Like, it's usually like, you know, uh, it, in evolution, we talk about like punctuated equilibrium where, you know, something happens and, you know, there's a new branch on the tree. Like for me personally, I feel like that's, that's happened to me. Um, so um, yeah, and I, I, you know, you're preaching to the choir. We're both huge, both Glennon Doyle and Jess Sims fans, both of whom say we can do hard things. Um, it's all over my house. I have a huge um, print downstairs that says it. And and I think that same sentiment of like, we get through 100% of our bad days, right? It's, we, it's hard, do it anyway. And I think I, think I heard I heard lean into the panic and I felt really validated by that, which means that I feel <laughs> lean into the hard. Like, lean I'm into the hard. I love that. I love that. Um okay. So anything so, that we didn't get to ask you that we didn't get to say, anything you, that you've got going on. Do you guys want to hear her senior quote? Marissa, what is my senior? I do, sort of. <laughs> You're going in and out again. So like I'm, I'm are you guys like, you can't hear me. Are you guys watching me struggle? Like, my struggle is real. <laughs> Just pause, pause one second, Maris, because when I'm speaking, yeah. what happens is you can't hear me talking and then you start talking. So just pause one second. I'm going to ask our last question and then we can do her senior quote because mm-hmm. that's super fun. Um, the last thing I wanted to say okay. is that we didn't get a chance to ask you. Um, I saw on your LinkedIn something super cool that I was geeking out about, which apparently you're featured in this new Borat Amazon series, which I'm so excited about. You can talk about that for a second if you want. And then also anything else you have coming up, anything else we didn't get a chance to cover? Yeah, Borat, um, it was the Debunking Borat, which is um, a series, a serious series, a spinoff of um, the the Borat movie um, that involved kind of unpacking the actual information uh, on some of the kind of misinformation that, some of the gentlemen who were in the Borat movie believed. Um, it was an incredible privilege. And I consider it a privilege in part because I got to hear from the gentlemen in terms of their views on all sorts of things, including the vaccines. And it was really eye-opening for me. Again, you know, um, they're they're sort of labeled as QAnon um, believers, but their views are not fringe. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've heard the concerns that they brought up in multiple um, sessions that I've done. Many, many people have similar worries, but sort of hearing from them about their worries and, you know, just the journey that they've been on for the last year, like all of us, um, I think it's really important to be able to get different perspectives into your life and to kind of understand it from through the lens of people that you, you know, otherwise probably don't interact with um, throughout your, you know, your days. Um, so I, I consider it a real privilege to be able to just hear views from people who I would otherwise not be able to encounter. Um, it certainly made me think differently about how we should talk about these issues. And again, the importance of empathy and um, 
you know, we're all not that different, right? We're all just people trying to navigate life. And some of us have access, some of us have more privileges to be able to access information than others. Um, so I believe if you have a privilege, you have to use it to the better for the betterment of others. And um, anyway, it's just, uh, I feel very fortunate to be able to try to sh share what I know with others. Um, so anyway, that was fun, but um, you know, we, we, I do these sessions a lot um, in, in various shades with different groups. And, um, you know, I think one of the, the best things um, has just to see the commonality, you know, so many different people, we're all just wondering the same stuff. We're all just struggling with the same stuff. Um, we're all just trying to protect ourselves, protect our families, understand the best way to do that still make a living, still have joy in our lives. And um, anyway, for me, it's really important after like such a divisive time and like American politics to be able to see like, there's actually so much similarity there that gets overlooked. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's such a nice way to, to finish up today. And I think before we hear your senior quote, because I think that's fun, we like to kind of ask one last question that, you know, as we say to our kids, shakes the sillies out, right? No more like, all right, we talked a lot about all the good stuff. Um, we're big believers in, especially when you're searching for jobs, right? In, mm -hmm. in, in identifying the places that you actually use yourself or you're interested in, or you think they're doing good work and you would be interested in working for. And in fact, I've built a whole curriculum around it called the Brand Crush Project, which we present to our community often and now teach a course on at our local community college that we find it so interesting and fascinating that when you actually nail down or boil down what it is that you want to be when you grow up and what you want to do with your life and how to catch your dreams, it's really about where you want to be and who you love and what you do and who you, you know, consume yourself as human. So we call it a brand crush. In this mm -hmm. case, I think, you know, we can probably all agree. We have a, I have a brand crush on Moderna and Pfizer right now, um, you know, and, and what they've done as a company um, but I'd love to hear, you know, if you have a, you know, outside of this world, inside of your world, if you have, and we love to shout it out really also when we share your episode, is there a company, a person, a something out there right now that you just crush really hard on? You think that, that with the work that they're doing or it's the product, it can be as simple as direct. I mean, it could, you know, it's just something that you personally as Jennifer would not be able to survive without right now. Cause we, and if it's small business, we'd love to shout them out. If it's a large company, also fine. Obviously I'm holding my Starbucks. That's one of my brand crushes always has been. Um, do you have a brand crush? Do you have a, a or a person or a, a you know, company crush? Um, can I say two? <laughs> Please. So on a, on a personal level, just like would not have gotten through the pandemic um, if it weren't for Peloton, um, because Same. the only way I've been able to, you know, relieve some stress um, without having to leave my house. Um, and I really appreciate the the inspiration that their instructors offer. So clearly um, that's for me. Um, but also um, bigger sort of on the longer term. Um, um, so my husband works for, for NASA and I have to say, like, I continue to be so incredibly inspired by NASA and like their scientists and what they do. And, you know, they're in the business of inspiration. Um, and it's a government agency, which, you know, in the days of like people feeling probably, you know, not so sure governments for them, um, you know, to see the remarkable achievements that we can do that we can, um, have if we work together with determination and with with scientific know-how um, it's really extraordinary and um, 
you know, they keep hitting it out of the park with, with all sorts of, of things. Um, so it's, it's, it's lucky. I feel lucky that I get to sort of see some of the behind the scenes, um, you know, of, of what they do and the scale that they work on and, and the intelligence. And it's, it's really extraordinary. I mean, they have some of the most brilliant minds in the world working for them. Um, so uh, I just like to think of it as like, you know, we can do things that are extraordinary if we come together, put our mind together with government support. Um, and uh, anyway, so, so Peloton and NASA. <laughs> Peloton and NASA. NBD, NBD, Peloton and NASA. Um, no, I'm sure not a sentence that Peloton's heard in the same day before. So I, love that. I thought you were going to say M.M. Lafleur because I've seen you featured in their clothes. Um, but meanwhile, NASA, oh my God, love, also have always been fascinated by that. Also, I would like to invite myself to an unmasked indoor dinner party at your house. I'm sure I would have, <laughs> I'm sure I would have a lot of relatable uh, uh, stuff to talk about. <laughs> whatever come, we can all come, come down <laughs> other than the fact that my grandma jamie and our grandma lived in um and my uncle lived like cape canaveral and you know i can say things like it's not rocket science and it would, yeah, be <sighs> that's about it that's, that's where we got that's where we draw um, the line well i think yes. listen to, to bring it all back you know we we preach lead with light um in our in our dream catchers web we speak every day in our verbiage and our branding about, um, you know, living in the stars and, and bringing light to others. And so maybe we are a little bit more connected to NASA. Um, anyway, Jennifer, what a pleasure today was. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. Um, it was such a pleasure. Thank you to a shared universe that do, does our sound and to Choice Associates, our sponsor. You guys and, aren't getting off the hook without our senior quote. Sorry. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Her senior quote. Go ahead. As, so, as our wrap. So, so mine was keep your face toward the sunshine and you will never see the shadows. Okay. I still so say that actually. Um, and I think it's extremely applicable right now. Um, however, I loved yours. Sunsets and rainbows, green forests, and restive blue seas, all naturally colored things are my siblings. We've played together on the floor of the world since the very first stone, stone looked at the stars. So I very, don't remember that at all. Profoundly worldly, probably you were like, what? And where am I going with I'm this? I'm sure I looked it up somewhere, but I don't remember that, but I'm glad it was not embarrassing. No, it was, it's beautiful. I think your husband might find it romantic. I'm just saying, um, as you were talking about stars and, you know, I think you were talking about your, your part in your, in the global world. And I okay. think at, you know, 17 years old, while everybody else is like saying, you know, I don't know, quoting Dave Matthews band. I think mine had been was probably like sitting on top of the world with my legs hanging free. Like no, that that was nineteen ninety eight. Jamie, come on. Um, you know, yeah, I graduated in ninety nine, girl. I'm okay, saying that line. Courtney, I'm I'm shouting you out. Life is you were really really unique in this one. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you were gonna get. That's very nice. Well, that was huge then. <laughs> very nineteen ninety five. Anyways. It was a pleasure having you. I'm sorry that I was having technical difficulties the entire time. I got additional cardio today, thanks to Tunde and holding my laptop in weird ways. And I am, I feel deeply connected to you, thankful for your hard work. Without you knowing it, I will be shouting your name across rooftops and maybe with you knowing it as a source 
a place of, uh, of good reason um, and an and example and for all of us. And I appreciate you pursuing your dream and also leaning into the panic. So thank you. For thank that. you. Thank Jennifer. you so much. This was a lot of fun. We appreciate it. Want more from the Dreamcatchers? Check us out, www.thedreamcatchers.life. In the spring of 2020, we launched the Dreamcatchers Web, an inclusive professional membership network dedicated to cultivating community and providing content about career inspiration and making magic. Are you a dream maker looking to inspire or a dream chaser looking for inspiration? Either way, join us today. A portion of our proceeds will benefit the Mental Health Association of Monmouth County because now more than ever, we need to bring light to the darkness. Thank you in advance for helping us lead with light.